listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 68 of the Testudo Times Podcast. The calendar year 2016 is almost over. Thank the Lord for that. But there is still plenty of Maryland stuff that we need to talk about. And thankfully, I've got two people here who are going to be very good for that task, and they have taken time out of their busy final schedule to join us to go over many Maryland-related things in multiple sports. First of all, Ryan is here. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Matt. How, how are we this evening? Eagerly awaiting Maryland's afternoon bowl game the day after Christmas. Aren't we all? I know. Isn't it amazing? I'd love to see what the ratings are for that game. But I do have to say something off the top because this is on my mind. Uh, Maryland got out of the ACC at the right time, just after Wake Forest's radio announcer started leaking team secrets. Not like you really needed secrets to beat Wake Forest, but considering how bad Maryland was against Wake the last few years they played them, uh, maybe I don't know, maybe the secrets would have helped. They probably would have helped. Yeah, I mean, well, Wake Forest has been pretty good this year, I thought. They were fine. Right, well, they, right? they lost to Boston College on the last week of the season, and that's why BC's in a bowl game, so. Yeah, that's true. They beat, I mean, they weren't terrible, though. They beat, they beat Indiana. They did beat Indiana, that is true. But don't, but don't you think the ACC's kind of wondering, boy, we, get, we got Louisville now and all their weird stuff. Why couldn't, why couldn't we have given Maryland more money? Anyway, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just one of those weird stories, and it's oddly enough not about Maryland's conference anymore, and, I'm still, and some of us are still trying to figure out how that's possible. Uh, Thomas is also here. Uh, hi, Thomas. How's it going? Do you think Randy Edsel would have accepted leaked proprietary information from Wake Forest football if Maryland was still in the ACC? I don't see any real reason why he wouldn't. I, I, I for the record, I would. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. uh, I imagine, probably, without thinking about it too much. Uh, this is football. This is football. I think we all want to find an advantage any way we can. We'll get to Maryland football in a bit. I, I don't know. It's just that Wake Forest story is so weird, and I've heard nothing like it before in my life, but however that is, uh, we will get to football, as I said, in a moment, but I want to start with the basketball, Ryan, and there were two games that Maryland played, and there wasn't really much interesting about either of them except for on this past Saturday against St. Peter's, Maryland had a giant lead, and then it ended up being 10 at the end of the game, and then against Jacksonville State, which is a real team, in case some of you forgot, it was where Mark Turgeon had his first coaching job in D1, I believe. Uh, Maryland had a big lead and kept it. These are very important things. And after that Saturday game, you could feel, I don't know if I've ever seen Mark Turgeon that angry after a win before. And it's clear that Maryland responded two days later, and that's pretty good. Other than that, I don't know if there's really much you could take away from games against two very, very bad lower-down teams. Yeah, I think the big thing is... And what we're trying to do is not to take too much away from it. Um, you know, I think it was it was encouraging to see Dion Wiley play well, certainly. But uh, when you're playing teams like the caliber of St. Peter's and Jacksonville State, which, I mean, the last few games they've played, Howard is 303rd in Ken Palm's rankings, St. Peter's is 191st, and Jacksonville is 239. So... This is uh, this is about as as easy as it gets for most schedules in the country, 
this season, I'd say. So it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, it's hard to take too much away from it. But at the same time, you know, if someone's playing well, that's, you know, that's always, always a good sign. As I said, Maryland had that huge lead against St. Peter's and then took their foot off the gas, and Mark Turgeon was pissed. And then Maryland on Monday uh, kept their foot on the gas for most of the game and ended up winning by 26. They were never in any real danger, but I think the biggest story from those two games is how Maryland responded when they got a big lead. And I understand that this team is not used to playing with many leads because they were so often playing from behind this year. But I think that that's notable that they didn't take their foot off the pedal on Monday like they did this past Saturday. Uh, yeah, I mean, I honestly, to me, it, that part isn't particularly notable. I mean, yes, it is what happened. But uh, against a team like Jacksonville State, I think that's exactly what you should expect. Um, I mean, I think also it was that, you know, he didn't. Turgeon, did, as as he usually does, did not put the reserves in until pretty late. He likes to keep Tribble in there pretty late most of the time. And uh, I thought um, it was more notable that, uh, I mean, in, in the first half, Maryland could was pretty similar. I mean, they were staying with – Jacksonville State was in the game for a lot of the first half. And uh, you could see Turgeon – on the sideline, he was uh, he was getting into it a little bit. He, I don't know what he said exactly. Mostly, actually, no, I I don't know what he said. I would just but, um, imagine it was a string of expletives. Um, you could imagine it's that, or you could imagine it's more concrete things like box out or stop. I don't it. know. Um, but you know, Maryland, I'd say against Jacksonville State, probably the, maybe the most encouraging thing was. Melo Trimble got shots and he was making them. Um, he's he's been getting Melo Trimble's been getting open shots all season. He just they just haven't really been going in. Which at a certain point, if they're not going in, that becomes a big problem. We haven't. It's been a problem just with the team in general. But uh, he was really just confidently just like he'd get the ball and he'd shoot it right away and it went in and that was pretty good. I think he missed one shot. He had twenty three points on seven shots from the field, which is pretty nuts. That's pretty efficient, and it's not something that we saw particularly often. The other, I guess, somewhat notable thing, Thomas, is there were rumors before the game that Micah Thomas might be introduced into the rotation at the expense of Jared Nickens, who did not play in the first half. So we've talked a lot on past shows about how Maryland isn't really having a set rotation right now because a lot of different players, and they kind of go in and out in terms of form. But Jared Nickens is falling out of favor, and... I don't know. I want to get your ideas on that and whether that's a temporary thing to get him motivated or whether it's something that could end up becoming more permanent. Um, I, I'm really not sure. I, mean, I think the sort of decline of uh, Jared Nickens is really one of the more curious subplots of, I guess, this season because it's been kind of gradual throughout the year and then, you know, it kind of, I guess, peaked um, when he didn't play in the first half. Um, he did hit a three in garbage time, um, so so who knows? I don't know really what putting Micah Thomas in now would do for Mark Turgeon, who has said before that he has been contemplating redshirting uh, Thomas and Joshua Tomajic. Um 
but Maryland's played, I think, like 11 or 12 games at this point. And so, 12, yeah. And to, uh, if, the, if the chance was coming to bring him in, it probably would have happened by now. Yeah, it would have uh, happened by now. In conference play. I don't really, I don't really see what it is. And I think even even still, even if they don't do that, um, it's still a pretty deep team. They still have a, a bunch of guys that you know could definitely get uh, high leverage minutes in conference play. And if Mickens just isn't good enough to do that, then I think Turgeon will figure it out. Ryan, what, what do you think about the uh, Jared Nickens, the interesting situation that is brewing with Jared Nickens right now? Um, I thought it was, you, you could see the writing on the wall a little bit before the season in that Nickens was going to have to go out of his way to secure a spot just with the freshmen that were coming in. Um, and yeah, I mean, his, his production wasn't good in the beginning, but Turgeon kept sticking with him. And then since then he's been, uh, you know, he's been clearly relegated to a, uh, you know, very much reserve role. I think, um, you know, there's still always the chance that later in the season he just gets it. He, you know, makes shots, boxes out, and, you know, does all that in practice. And Turgeon's like, well, here you go. You're back. Uh, that that certainly wouldn't be an unprecedented, amazing thing. But uh, you got to think, at least for the time being, he's, he's really not going to be playing too much because – and I mean, you know, like, don't like to speak too negatively about, you know, college kids like this anyway. But, uh, you know, he's he hasn't been giving Tojin much of a reason to keep him on the floor. True. So one more game and out of conference play. It's against Charlotte. That's in six days from now because of finals. Uh, there isn't much to say about this one either other than it's in Baltimore. Uh, quickly, anything you want to say about this game since we're probably not gonna I mean it's a it's another out of conference game so it's probably gonna go the same way most Maryland games have gone at this point but is there anything you want to see in that one last game before conference play starts um I mean there's there's really nothing that that like you can ask for too much from any one game I think uh I think the biggest thing against a team like Charlotte uh which is still 189th in Ken Palm. I think the best thing you could ask for is just a, you know, not another game where Maryland has to take things down to the wire to beat a team that they are clearly more talented than. And, uh, yeah, other than that, there's nothing. Uh, it's it's really hard to think about anything. You know, still, DeMonte Dodd's still going to be out. Uh, you'd like to see Michael Tchaikovsky continue his uh, string of pretty good games since he got back. Um, you know, you'd like to see a little bit. You'd like to see maybe. It, it's almost like like with this team, that's the storylines really haven't changed this entire season. Um, you know, we've we've probably said this on every podcast. You want to see where LG Gill fits in now that he you would think has more of a role on the wing or at least on the four, right? And he doesn't have to play the five anymore. You'd like to see more from him. You'd like to see more from Nickens. You'd like to see Wiley build off what he did last game and continue to play well. Um, other than that, you know, it's not, no, there's not, there's not too much. I think you can ask for. All right. So 
You can tell we're a little bit dry on basketball, but that might not be the case soon in the future. You can trust us on that. This is just a light portion of the schedule, and Maryland's playing bad teams, so forgive us for that. But this is going to be one of our last football-intensive shows for quite a while. You'll see why we got that next week, and then we won't have a chance possibly to review the bowl game until the new year. Uh, but I do want to get off something before we start previewing the game against Boston College, Thomas, and that's uh, Maryland in recruiting had a pretty good couple of days. Four different players committed, including a surprise pair of brothers and a JUCO linebacker that I want to I want to get a little bit at from you and Ryan. First of all, though, I, we've talked so much about how good DJ Durkin is at recruiting, and again, this stuff kind of comes out of nowhere and. Maryland fills spots at positions of needs, and it's almost like magic that Maryland has kind of, the Maryland now has the 15th best recruiting class in the country, according to 24-7. It's craziness. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, really, it, it's worth noting that, I mean, there's, with with Kendo out, there's no five stars, and there's only a handful of four stars, but I think the thing that really is important about this class is that it's a really big class, with with Underwood committing um, on Tuesday, that's 26 players in Durkin's first recruiting class, and they might get up to 30 before it's all said and done. I mean, it's still it's the dead period now, but signing day is like a month and a half away, and there's still time after that. And so there's a real chance that, that this class ends up at like 30 players. No, not and all of them are obviously going to play immediately, but... Not all of them are going to play well, yeah. immediately, but you just think, and you can only have 85 players at a time, but this is, there are a lot of seniors this year, uh, lots of important players that left, and you have to replenish that, but, you know, just to see all these names coming in, it's just like, wow. You're kind of shocked that this yeah. is Maryland who's recruiting, and again, they're not huge names, but you're just kind of shocked at how Maryland is getting all of these players. It's amazing. Yeah, I think the... You know, if you're not going to get superstar talent, and there's no reason to expect Maryland to land superstar talent, especially with a new coach, uh, if you can't do that, then what you want to do is you want to land a lot of talent, and that is definitely uh, what DJ Durkin's doing. He's gotten, I'm pretty sure he's gotten a, a commitment at every real important position, um, and so I mean, it'll be really interesting to see, obviously, how everyone develops and all that. So. Yeah, th um, those are things that yeah, we're, we're at 26 and mm -hmm. counting. Yes, 26 and counting. Right. I, uh, if I can add Go a couple on. things, um, I've been, you know, the only signing day I covered was last year, and I've been researching it a little bit more. Um, I read something that said the, you know, the Big Ten's cap on commitments is technically 28, but that you, you get around that by, uh, to, by, Early enrollees don't have to count toward that number necessarily. The Juco um, linebacker, I believe, is one that is an early enrollee, so that won't uh, count. Yes, uh, he is uh, Nick Underwood. Then uh, also early enrolling are at least um, Fofi Bazzi, the cornerback, who was the first recruit to join the class, and at least one other uh, player who I don't exactly remember who it was, but. Um, it's yeah, it, it's interesting because as Thomas hinted at before, yeah, if you're not getting the um, you know the best recruits, which you know it would take a 
quite an amount of time before Maryland is recruiting with the best of them, then you're going to need, you know, it's good to have a lot of options and, you know, hopefully you develop enough of them. Uh, but I think it's, um, you know, when comparing this to the classes that Edsel was getting at the end of his tenure at Maryland, uh, you know, this is obviously still much better in his first year. And especially like, you know, the number of blue chip recruits with, uh, you got six in this class. If you're looking at the 24-7 sports composite. And, uh, you know, in some of Edsel's early classes, he'd have one or two. You know, so that's already a just a profound, big uh, jump. And I'm writing something on recruiting for later in this week. But Maryland plugged a lot of the holes that they need to with this with this class. Um getting a highly regarded quarterback who's playing in the Under Armour All-American game in Kasim Hill definitely helps. And the getting the Gaddy twins, who are the former Tennessee commits, who kind of surprisingly committed over the weekend. Uh, they're from Virginia. And they were actually, I was listening to um, Inside Maryland Sports Radio just probably an hour ago and they, they had them on the show to talk about it. And they were talking about how, uh, I think this was Breon who is the, um, more highly rated of the twins who was saying, you know, he wants to be able to start right away. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how many freshmen necessarily do that next year. And I think most of us are kidding ourselves if we know and all the answers to that. Um, but you know, they got, at least four recruits on the defensive line. They have Deion Jones and Fofi Bazzi at cornerback, which is going to be huge considering the team's losing Alvin Hill and Will Likely. Mm-hmm. And uh, the defensive line recruits are big just because Maryland's run defense was so poor last year. And, you know, I think the team needed more recruiting help on the defensive side of the ball than they did on offense. Um, you know, off Maryland's offensive line, you know, not, nothing's ever set, but, you know, next year they're probably going to be starting four blue-chip recruits and, you know, get two or three more in this class, which is looking pretty good. Then, you know, Maryland's pretty set at running back with Ty Johnson and Lorenzo Harrison, if he indeed does return to Maryland from a suspension. I feel like it will. But if you can get, an, like, an Anthony McFarland, I was about DeMatha, to say, his final yes. three includes Maryland. He might not go. Yes. It's not favored, but it's like you, Maryland's left itself in a position with DJ Durkin where they're not relying on one of these late guys who has Maryland in his top three or top five to say, yeah, I'm going to Maryland when it's an outside shot. The class is pretty good without them. And then if they do say they get McFarland, for instance, then it puts a great class over the top. And we've never been able to say that about Maryland recruiting before. Well, yeah, I think um, the thing about McFarland – is would more just be he'd obviously be an impact piece at running back slash slot receiver and he'd probably have more of an impact at slot receiver at least in the beginning because maryland's going to be rebuilding its uh receiving core a little bit next year i imagine but uh you know you have him you have uh tree castro fields who's the cornerback recruit who uh you know right now it looks like it's between uh maryland and i think it was penn state and alabama um and then Calvin Ashley, the Auburn, the he's a he plays at St. John's. He's committed to Auburn, but uh, 
you know, he's he's visited Maryland a couple times, and you know, I obviously have no inside information on this, so who knows? But uh, you know, tweeted a lot of good things about Maryland, as as any recruit does when they go anywhere. But um, you know, it'll be interesting to see what you know if Maryland. Uh, I'm sure Maryland's after him pretty hard. It'll be interesting to see how that would work out because he's a five-star offensive tackle who by his redshirt freshman year probably could be making an impact in Maryland, I'd imagined. And uh, my point, my point being they are Maryland's restocking in the right places. Uh, they're also, they're using, losing, you know, three senior wide receivers this year at least. And they have five wide, wide receivers coming in as freshmen and most of them are pretty tall. I think they're all like, they got three who are 6'2", Carlos Carrier, who's 6'4", 6'5", depending on where, where recruiting service you're checking. Um, so that's maybe not an immediate rebuild, but still an exciting thing for the future. Yep. Is that the most we've ever talked about recruiting on this show? Um, might be the most I've ever talked about recruiting. That's I don't know. That's probably we've, true. We've mentioned it. One, one other thing I think that's you know interesting to note is the uh, Maryland's Ranking in the Big Ten has fallen to number four. It was number three. Um, you know, surprise, Penn State's been uh, been recruiting pretty well. And one thing that is always, you know, we we use this we use this as a, you know, Maryland has so many re- recruits committed that you know they're ranked 16th, but you know maybe that ranking should be a little bit lower because the more recruits you have, the better ranking you will get. And having more recruits doesn't necessarily mean you had a better recruiting class. It, it, it could, it could mean that, you know, Oh, you have more, you know, maybe they'll all turn out well, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. True. I mean, of course, of course we get to that, but again, Maryland being 16th when they're usually yes. a 40, Four, to 40. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's such a dramatic improvement and this is Durkin's first full class. So we haven't really seen the true fruits of his labor yet. And when you just look at the coaching carousel spin around a lot in college, in college football, you just, I, and, I, and I hate mentioning this, but you just think if Maryland starts getting successful pretty soon, then you start to, then your head starts to spin a bit and you start thinking, wait a minute, could something, you, you know what I'm getting onto, but I'm not going to think about that now because it's not worth it. Uh, speaking of games, we actually should talk about a football game, and this is the podcast where we will preview the Quick Lane Bowl against Boston College, and it's been in three years since Maryland's played Boston College. I was at that game the last ever ACC home game, and it was awful. And I don't know if I really want Maryland to play Boston College again, but it's a bowl game, so hooray. Uh, you talked a bit last week, Ryan, about the, de- the defense for Boston College against Maryland's offense. Uh, this is going to be a close game, probably a pretty ugly one, but what do you think more in depth about this game now that we have a little bit more time to talk about it? Uh, I mean, this is one of those games where, like, you almost – you almost can't form too many like crazy conclusions about it because it's just, it's, I mean, I, I think I said this last time, but the matchup between Maryland's rushing attack and BC's run defense should, I think be what decides this game. Um, that's, that's, you know, something I'll be writing about more once I get to watch BC tape, talk to Maryland players, hopefully. Um, but you know, Maryland's rushing attack was by S and P one of the top ten in the country. I want to say here. Let me let me check this. It was the fourteenth best in the country, which Maryland, pretty good. Yeah. Then BC, 
in terms of rushing defense, sixth in the country, which is really good. Also really good. And, uh, you know, they lost Don Brown to Michigan, their defensive coordinator, but uh, clearly, you know, his ideas are still working pretty well. And, um, yeah, I think it'll be one, one thing I probably didn't talk about as much last time is, uh, you know, the Perry Hills getting this month of recovery time. I think it's probably more crucial for him than it is for any other Maryland player. Um, he's just been, he's been banged up all season. The last time we talked to him, he, uh, I mean, he was pretty much laughing at the fact that, you know, he'd, he'd hurt one shoulder and then he'd get healthy and then he'd hurt the other. And it was just, I mean, this guy's had the most unfortunate injury luck and I mean, it really makes you feel for him because you can just, he's the guy more than anyone else that the coaches talk about. Who's just always like, they can't even keep him out of drills. He does them when they don't want him to. And, uh, you know, this season he's clearly looked better than he did last year. Last year he had mono for a while, which certainly didn't help, but, uh, well, whatever Walt Bell's done with him's clearly been working. Um, and against BC, Maryland's going to need to have some sort of acceptable passing attack. You know, BC's passing defense ranks 40th in the country. Um, you know, still, that's, that's still pretty solid. Um, but, you know, Maryland's been able to get the big plays there when they've been winning games. And, uh, I mean, the the combination of DJ Moore, Teldrick Morgan, and Lever and Jacobs with Ty Johnson out of the backfield is, I mean, that's that's a pretty good combination. You have a lot of speed, a lot of athleticism, and if you get these guys open on screens, which is just such a big part of Maryland's offense that's been so hit or miss this season, uh, that's going to be such a giant help, especially against the BC team that, uh, you know, secretly actually allows not necessarily a lot of big plays, but allowing big plays is sort of a weakness of their defense. Uh, they rank 122nd in Bill Connolly's explosiveness uh, on defense, meaning they are, you know, that's meaning they're bad <laughs> at that. <laughs> Thanks um, for letting us know that 122nd out of 128, I think, is bad. Yes, but uh, they are good on at most other things on defense. So mm-hmm. it'll be, uh, yeah, it, it's, I don't know, it's weird. Because I did, I actually went to the, uh, I'm, the la- I, you know, I'm from Massachusetts. I saw, I saw BC play Maryland once, and it was a very not exciting game. No, um, don't do that to yourself. This, uh, it was, I was younger, it was fine. But um, it was. impressionable. It's even worse. It was, uh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so interested to see what everything about this bowl game is going to be like. You know, as a Massachusetts person, I can tell you that most people in Massachusetts don't care about BC that much. Uh, it was fun when Matt Ryan was there. Uh, most other times, it was less it was fun. Fun when and Dan Flutie was there. I was like, yes. something years ago, but you know, they, they, they show the, uh, they show the fluty touchdown at just about every game, but, um, they care about the bean pot, but Maryland doesn't play, uh, organized D one hockey. So that's not something we have to care about on this show. Right. Anyway, that was a lot of talking from you. I want to get Thomas in on this game because he hasn't had a chance to speak his mind. He's been quiet for the last like 10 minutes and I feel bad. So, uh, what do you think about this game, Thomas? I, it's too average teams 
going up in a very mediocre time slot in a very mediocre bowl game. Seems pretty appropriate for Boston College and Maryland football. Uh, all indications are this is going to be a very close game at the ver- at the least. Whether it's good or not remains to be seen. But where where do you think Maryland could find some advantages? Um, well, Maryland's probably adv- biggest advantage is, as Ryan said, um, perhaps getting explosive plays on offense. Uh, they do have the weapons to do that, and Boston College does struggle a little bit allowing them. Um, I think, to me, the the really fun part of this game is uh, when Boston College is on offense, their running offense is, I think, 122nd in S&P Plus, and Maryland's run defense is 127th. Yeah. So that'll be that'll be a war of attrition. The stumble force against the easily moved object. Yeah, so it'll be a lot of moving parts and you know, one of them's gonna have to give in like a good way. And so May may I may I add that that BC has the they have the one hundred and twenty third ranked rushing attack. And doesn't get much better because their passing attack is only 117. Anyway, keep going. They, they won six games this season with an historically terrible offense. Like, this is this is amazing to me. Now, a lot of those wins came against, like, oh, I don't know, Wagner and UMass and UConn at Wagner's FCS. And UMass and UConn are two of the worst D1 programs, or, sorry, FBS programs that you can find. Uh... W- the thing is, it's like I'm Maryland sorry. should win this game, but it, it, it's it's Maryland, and you, you you never know. Even though under DJ Dirk and Maryland has beaten comprehensively every single team on their schedule that they should have beaten. I, I would say, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I'd say this game is pretty much a toss up. Like, the, I mean, you know, when you think about it when you think about at least offensively, like what BC can do offensively, and Maryland was competitive against the only competitive loss they had was was Indiana and otherwise their losses were blowouts but they all played against teams that were as we said comprehensively better than Maryland you could argue Minnesota wasn't comprehensively better but neither here nor there right and but all I... of the teams that they hold on all the teams that they played that they won that they beat they beat decisively they killed most of them I mean Michigan State not decisively but they beat them up pretty good so when you think about that BC's a team that you think, on paper, you should think Maryland is going to beat them, at the very least, decently. Now, obviously, as you're saying, that's not the truth. Well, I mean, I'd say on paper they look pretty much about the same. Uh, I mean, you know, they're both 6-6. Six and six. S&P has them literally Maryland's not 80, 87th and BC's 88th. And when you think about the matchups on in this game, I mean, uh, you know, Maryland should be, for the most part, able to stop BC's offense just because BC's offense is so inefficient. But, you know, a lot of teams have done a good job stopping Maryland's offense, and most of those teams don't have as good a defense as BC. So, uh, I mean, it, those, that seems to make for just a really low-scoring game that's going to be almost impossible to predict. True. So, even though you just said that, I'm going to force you to predict said game. How do you think it ends? Uh, I I do feel like, I mean, 
I feel like Maryland wins it by just a little. Uh, I haven't been following BC that much, but that's probably wise of you. But uh, yeah, um, I I think I think healthy Perry Hills could ultimately make the difference, and if Maryland is able to, you know, shut down BC's rushing attack because other teams, you know, other teams been able to gash Maryland on the ground, and that's been one of the reasons that Maryland's only six and six this year, and. If they're able to do that and totally, um, you know, neutralize BC's offense, then you'd think Maryland gets a couple long runs from Ty Johnson, maybe a screen to DJ Moore here and there, and then that would be able to do it. But uh, you know, we'll we'll see how I feel in uh, in two weeks. This, that's 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 quite a statement to say, uh, Thomas. How do you think this game plays out? Honestly, I feel pretty much the same way. I think um, Maryland has been way, way better with Perry Hills than they've been with anyone else. And uh, by all indications, Perry Hills should be good to go for this game. And um, that'll make the offense way better. And obviously they still have Ty Johnson, who's good for a you know, big player too. Um, and... In theory, defense should be able to stop BC's uh, offense. Yeah, yeah. If you want to call it that, awful thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, If you want to call it that, I didn't. I didn't know (laughs) if it was worthy of that title, but um, yeah, I I will say I think probably one or two big plays, maybe a trick play, maybe some sort of. Oh, there will be there will be a trick play. Seems like there there has to be. Maybe we'll see more Tyrell Pigram in this game. I feel like I feel like we should. Uh, that's been it, that, that has been one of the weirder that's been one of the weirder subplots of the season. Maybe I think because you know after we saw Pigram, you know, do some fun stuff early on, um, it was like you know it almost was assumed like oh well they're gonna have a package in there for him because why not? But they only they did it in very select situations this season, and uh, you when they did it, it was usually you know. Pigram was usually good for about a 12-yard gain, more or less, when he'd come in for some designed packaged play. Um, and I think that just that speaks to maybe what his role is going to be next year when uh, when Caleb uh, Caleb Henderson and Kasim Hill might have the advantage. But, you know, I don't want to assume anything too quickly. That maybe he so far in the future. I yeah. don't think we should be thinking about that right now. We can, um, we can think about it. We can. It's just not really worth it. I don't know. Because we haven't even finished this season yet. Let's finish this one before we start thinking about the next one. Uh, although I am guilty of that at times when I think about how Maryland's going to go into Texas and win. But anyway, uh, that I, I think Maryland probably ends up winning close, too. And this is going to be an ugly game considering when it's played and who is playing in it. Uh, it will not be the best game of this bowl season. But if Maryland wins, that's obviously great. Quickly, Thomas, before I get you a quick word on women's basketball, I asked Ryan this last week. Uh, I want to ask you the same question. Do you think do – what, what is the impact if Maryland wins this game? Is it much? Because the last two bowl games they've played in, they lost close-ish against Marshall and then got destroyed by Stanford, and it didn't really do much to Maryland's, I guess, overall perception. Maybe, maybe that 2014 season that had a lot of promise and then ended pretty badly – uh, maybe that was a little bit different, but do you think that there's any discernible change in how that we perceive the season, how we perceive the program if Maryland wins the game? Not really. 
I think if they win, it'll be nice and everyone will be happy and everyone will go uh, into the offseason with a, a slightly better taste in their mouth. Um, I think the only like thing that might affect, you know, just general feelings as the team sort of approaches next year would be if they lose big, because then mm-hmm. people might, you know, because they had, you know, almost a month to prepare, and then if they lose big, then there will be some questions. Um, but I really don't expect that to happen. So I don't think this, uh, how this game goes, will end up really meaning anything long term. But okay. Yes, very good. So we all think that Maryland's going to win fairly close. Tune in on December 26th to see if we're right or not. You all will, but it's, God, it's even 12 days away. So want to get uh, Thomas a quick chance to talk about women's basketball-related things because we haven't had a chance to do that very often. They are still unbeaten uh, in, in advance of the game against UConn on New Year's Eve, I believe, which will be a lot of fun. It's going up 29th. against the cup. 29th, 29th yes. Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was against on New Year. It was on New Year's Eve, but it's not. But that that's going to be a fun game in Maryland right now, Thomas. I know you've been writing extensively about this. Uh, they're pretty much beating the stuffing out of everybody they're playing, which I don't think is a surprise. Uh, and everything kind of feels like it's leading up to that that UConn game, isn't it? I would say so. I mean, they didn't really beat the stuffing out of Louisville. Louisville is a top ten team, and I mean, they played them close. Maryland was up. Triple di- uh, double digits. In the <laughs> Triple digits. Wow. Yeah. They're better yeah, than they, I thought. Yeah, well, they were. They did win by 127 uh, first scrimmage, and that became, like, national news. But, um, yeah, like, they've been, they've been pretty good all season. Um, they did look a little shaky in the second half on Monday, um, although most people didn't end up watching that. That was, like, only available on Periscope for me. Loyola website, and so like, yeah, a, a couple hundred. I, I usually would be watch. broadcasting. No offense. Yeah, no, a couple couple hundred people ended up watching that. So, a uh, couple, you know, that's that's who knows that Maryland really just struggled with turnovers and had some defensive lapses in the second half. Um, but you know, they have nine days between that game and Duquesne, uh, and that's at Duquesne because. Tori Walker Kimbrough is a senior and is from Pittsburgh, and so this will be a nice homecoming for her. Um, and then, yeah, UConn. Uh, honestly, I didn't expect UConn to be as good as they've been this year because they lost so many talented players, but uh, Gino Oriam is just such a great coach that all his role players from last year have become stars this year like it was nothing. And so they're definitely the team to beat still. Uh Maryland I think it would be news if they weren't the team to beat. I mean, I, I didn't honestly expect them to be. I thought it was going to be Notre Dame or Baylor, but then UConn beat both of them. And I think really the best threat left is Maryland. So we will see how that goes. That's uh, going to be a great game. That's on the 29th, as you all said, correcting me, thankfully. I think that's on ESPN, too, so it'll be a widely available game for you to watch and enjoy. Will should be. be fun. And it's in the park, so yes. those of you listening yes, to close. Yes, I, I will be there. O'Brien's media media, media or, or, or otherwise. Wow, that's big news. Have you ever covered – was your last time you covered a women's game, Ryan? Uh, I covered a women's game last year. Um, and it was field trip day. Yes, field trip day is actually yeah. – what it was awesome. Um, yeah, yeah, it's – you know, we – 
you know, if you have the Diamondback, the school newspaper where you go up and by your senior year, there's a 50% chance you are the women's basketball beat writer, probably. But, uh, you know, the way we do it is, you know, we don't we don't have necessarily the same sort of pipeline. So I just when I started here, I covered soccer and football and then did basketball. And then now here I am. Yes. And it's a it's a great thing. I don't know. I didn't. I I covered two women's games and they were tournament games, and I didn't see you there. But anyway, neither here nor there. That game is on the 29th, and again, I don't think we'll have a chance to talk about it before the new year. But when we have a big recap of all sorts of fun stuff that happened over this this period, uh, when the calendar turns, I would expect those are things we will talk about in detail. I do want to say uh, one more thing before we end the show, since this is certainly Thomas's last show of the year, and it is possibly Ryan's. I want to get your thoughts on what the best Maryland moment was for you guys of 2016, a year that was not great in many respects, but there were good things for Maryland. Uh, so, Thomas, what was your favorite Maryland moment of this past calendar year? Oh, man. Um, I'm probably going to go with Trimble's buzzer beater against Wisconsin. So you're going all the way back to the start of, a, of the year. Yeah, we yeah, yeah I'm going again. way, way back to January. Um, yeah, like one of the first yeah, no, that was January. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, there was that game. I was at the game when they beat Iowa. I at the time that was that game. That was fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was probably the other highlight. That was as you know as loud as I've experienced it's going to be sound myself. But yes, um, that was yeah. I would game, probably go with those two. January 9th. So we're going <laughs> way way back. Yeah, I mean, it, it was just one of those you know three different really good Maryland teams from uh, the non-revenue ranks um, lost in the tournament to North Carolina, meant to win the lacrosse in the title game and a uh, field hockey. And I think the quarterfinals. And I mean, it, that's just heartbreaking. Oh, uh, but, can we not talk about the those were all, thing? Those were all, that, that one was those were all really good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you like, I expected the highlight of the year to come from one of those teams. And oh, it, the lacrosse one was just anyway, uh, Ryan, what was your you moment come. of the year? Um, I think my favorite part may have been uh, the Diamond Stone explosion against Penn State. But that wasn't um, in 2016. That was in 2015. It wasn't? Get it right. No. That game was December 30th, 2015. So you have to think again. Can't be grandfathered in? Damn. No. I, was, I was like, oh, that's that's my favorite one. Um, no. Come on. You have so many other choices. Okay. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Um, let me see. I should add in the Jeopardy think music, but then our podcast will get taken down, so I can't do that. <laughs> um, yeah, when I think back to football this year, there's, it's 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 probably not to be a basketball memory from last season, I think. And I'll try to I'll try to think of something different from. Uh, Trimble's buzzer beater is a good from choice. Thomas. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm okay it, with that. That that's it, fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that one then. Oh really? I I would have ex- I didn't expect n- no and either of you to say. Just getting to the Sweet 16 was a big deal. I don't know. Uh, I thought that was a big a good deal. It's a big deal, but it wasn't like a moment to me. Yeah, there was there was no moment to win two games, and it ends with a loss anyway. Well, it did, yeah. but as I said, for the program, yeah. it had been 13 years. Just getting there, I think, was a was a enough of a big deal. But I, I think know. it was. But I mean, I think there is there is the very valid argument that um, you know you know no, nothing's given and all that. But 
with that team, with the talent that Maryland had, the fact that they were coming in as one of the top-ranked teams, they came in the season, you know, ESPN had them as, like, number one in at, at one point. And, uh, you know, I feel like, you know, not to put a damper on anything, but, you know. They didn't finish number one. Sweet 16 was was sort of less, you know, exciting just mm. because of that. Yes. You can go back and listen to our many podcasts from then if you want to relive those, those moments. We had that long discussion on the show about how how do you recognize the season among all sorts of stuff. Uh, I think mine is probably going to be, I don't know, I, I like I like Tyrell Pigram's run against UCF. That was fun for about 30 seconds. Uh I don't know. I know the overtime, the North Carolina for men's lacrosse, that was awful. But calling the overtime winner in the game before it, that was a lot of fun. Yeah. That was that game had somebody score from their own defensive third. Oh, yeah. That's was just bananas. I've never seen anything like that before in my life. That was – that game, if you didn't watch it, it was Saturday of Memorial Day weekend. That was drunk lacrosse if I've ever seen it. Uh, so many goals. No, I didn't know what was going on half the time, and then they won in overtime, and it was just bonkers. Great resume reel material for me for the rest of, for at least a while. Uh, that that was that was pretty fun. And even though the the soccer team's season ended horrifically, blowing a four one lead, uh, going undefeated in the regular season and through the conference tournament is pretty remarkable, all things considered. And if they didn't gag, sorry, Sasha. Uh, I would have I would have wondered how they they could have done later on in the tournament because the couple games that ended up winning the tournament the final of the uh, college cup went to a, uh, penalties and they're all really close. I wonder if Maryland could have done something there, but anyway. So there, there are a lot of good moments. There are a lot of bad moments on the planet, but Maryland sports had some good moments to make us forget about the bad moments on the planet. So that that's something, right? Yep. Lord, let's hope it gets better in 2017. I'm, preemptive moment of 2017. Maryland goes into Texas and wins. <laughs> you, you know what's going to happen if that happens. You can already imagine what will happen then. you got to think positively, guys. You've got to think positively. Regardless of these things. Uh, if this is the last podcast, this certainly is the last podcast for Thomas of the year, and it was great having you on this year. Uh, it was more of a featured guest sort of thing last year when we talked about certain sports, but now you're on all the time. How have you enjoyed it? Uh, it's been it's been a lot of fun. It's been uh, something I kind of enjoy every week. Uh, you know, just a chance to talk about um, Maryland in sort of a different light than what I usually do, which is just kind of behind the computer. Um, now at least people can talk about it, and you know, the the listeners get to hear my voice, which I guess is something. Uh, but, it is. Yeah. I don't know. Some people want to know what you sound like if they don't get to see you at, yeah. at school. And Ryan, you took over the site this year, so it was a big year for you too. What would you? Yeah, think? it was. Uh, yeah, it was weird. I uh, I think it's weird for me. Like, I I was hired. You know, what was it? Twenty? Was that even twenty fifteen? I was hired like a year and a half ago, essentially, and. It just kind of the right things opened up, and Pete and Alex both moved on, and here I am. But it was, uh, it's it's nice, it's fun. Uh, Thomas is going to have a fun time doing that once I somehow secure myself a job after college. <laughs> yeah, but you still got half a year left, so 
Yes. You know, don't 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 discount yourself for the moment. <laughs> no, I'm going to I'm going to enjoy it. I like uh, it's been fun this year, especially the opportunity. You know, last year I got to cover all the home all the conference football games. Um, I got to do some basketball. Well, that wasn't but, fun. Uh, last year. Well, it was weird because I did, you know, now I know I want to be a college football writer. And I really, I really fell in love with college football last year, despite covering a Maryland team that went three and nine. Um, And yeah, I'm, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited. Who knows? Maybe I'll, maybe I'll be uh, still covering the team somehow next year, but uh, you'll be, you'll, you'll be working in SB Nation's DMV division. (laughs) Uh, but if uh, if anyone out there is looking for oh come on hire. really you <laughs> know I have I have been looking for a job since I graduated in May and I have not once used this show to plug myself <laughs> well I I kind of I I kind of doubt that uh, that our potential employers are listening but who knows uh maybe some of them I got a job I got offered an internship sort of uh, because somebody listened to one of my radio shows at Maryland that I did. And I was talking about how stuff in the WMUC studio breaks all the time. Oh, it does. You never know. Yes, we all know that. But uh, <laughs> you never know who could be listening to this show. Regardless of all these things, there will probably be one more show, and it will be next week. Ryan may or may not be on that. It should be with, uh, as a little preview, we're going to talk about the upcoming conference season in the Big Ten and how a lot of teams have good records, and you probably shouldn't believe in most of them. Get your, get your 2017 started off right with a little bit of talking about how Rutgers and Minnesota have a combined two losses. Madness. Anyway, that very loud buzz is definitely a sign that we need to end this as soon as possible. Uh, thank you so much for being here, both of you. It's been great having you on and seeing you both assume greater roles. Uh, we got one more show before the end of the calendar year. Enjoy that. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the week. Uh, but, of course, go Terps. 